Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Permit me, if you will, just for a minute, to return to Gone with the Wind. As you may recall, while in the middle of reading that novel, I preached on it. With these words today from John's Gospel, I am reminded of my favorite part of that novel. It did not make the movie, so you may recall it only if you have read the book. Gerald O'Hara is being laid to rest after he was thrown from his horse. Unable to procure a Catholic priest to conduct the the graveside service, Ashley Wilkes is chosen to read prayers from the Catholic book of devotions. Friends, neighbors, and folks from the surrounding counties are there in full force to pay respects to Gerald O'Hara, whom they hold in high regard and esteem. So Ashley reads the Catholic prayers, which are very short, much shorter than the likings of all those people there. The friends and neighbors would have been shocked and indignant had this been the only prayers that were offered for their dear friend, Gerald O'Hara. Ashley wisely recognizes this and suspects that he might need to say something more to prolong the service. So he begins reciting what is familiar to him and perhaps familiar to us from our Episcopal burial service. I am resurrection and I am life, says the Lord. He goes on and on and he speaks very slowly and reverently, not on purpose, but because he is having difficulty recalling phrases of the burial service from memory. These measured pauses and these silences make the delivery more awe-inspiring and moving to those friends and neighbors who still think that Catholic prayers are being recited. Little do they know that their dear friend, Gerald O'Hara, the devoutly Catholic Irishman, was being laid to rest from the burial service of the Episcopal Church. These words today are familiar words to us, and we hear them fairly often, but not because they appear in our Sunday lectionary often, For we hear the wonderful story of the raising of Lazarus only twice in three years on Sunday. If I were a betting man, I would wager the last time you heard these words were at a funeral. 
Just as these words from Jesus reassure Martha that her brother Lazarus will live again, they assure us in our time of loss that our loved one will indeed live again. Our funeral services are celebrations, not only of the Lord's resurrection, but of our own resurrection. Our faith lies in the belief that just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. So funeral services in the Episcopal Church are Easter services. As the prayer book states, our funeral services find all its meaning in the resurrection. Therefore, it is fitting that not only the raising of Lazarus is an option to be read at funerals, but the funeral service itself opens with those words, I am resurrection and I am life, says the Lord. Whoever has faith in me shall have life even though he die. And everyone who has life and has committed himself to me in faith shall not die forever. On this fifth Sunday in Lent, we see the mighty power of God. We see the mighty power of God not only in these words from John, but in these words from Ezekiel. O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Both stories are stories of death and resurrection, destruction and restoration, despair and hope. And both stories are a foreshadowing of another resurrection as Holy Week soon dawns upon us. This day we encounter Jesus' last miracle before His passion begins in John's Gospel. And we encounter His last miracle before His passion begins for us next week as well. This is not the only time Jesus has raised someone from the dead. In fact, this is the third time He has done so. In Luke's Gospel, he raises the widow's son in name after he touches the coffin which is being carried to the grave. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three, tell of how he raised Jairus' daughter, who, like Lazarus, died before Jesus could get there. However, the raising of Lazarus is different from these other times when Jesus has come to the rescue. Though Jesus raises Lazarus as he raised the widow's son and Jairus' daughter, the raising of Lazarus points to the complete, total, and utter power of God over death and the grave. You see, Lazarus was not merely on his deathbed like Jairus' daughter, and he was not merely on his way to the grave like the widow's son. They had died, but they had not gone to the grave as Lazarus had. When Jesus arrives in Bethany, he finds out that Lazarus has been dead for four whole days. That's quite a long time. So dead is Lazarus that when Jesus commands a stone to be rolled away, Martha cannot believe what she is hearing. Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. In the mind of Martha and those who ask why Jesus could not save Lazarus, there is no hope. There is no going back. Death has fully gripped the body of Lazarus. He is utterly and completely surrounded by the grave. He is bound by death. And there is no one to save him from death's clutches. 
Lazarus' body might as well have been in the valley of dry bones. There too, in that desolate and dark valley from Ezekiel's vision, there is no hope. There is no going back. Heaps of bones lay upon heaps of bones, and it is impossible to determine which bones belong to which. These bones are dry, having been exposed to the elements for some time now, which lets us know that those who the bones belong to have been dead for quite some time. But God acts, as God always does. In the valley of dry bones and in the raising of Lazarus, God acts. God commands Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind. And God in Christ commands Lazarus, come out. God restores the house of Israel to life. God restores Lazarus to life. And God will restore us to life when we too are surrounded by death and the grave. God has complete and total dominion over death. And this is fully and most notably recognized in God's final victory over death, which we will celebrate in a few weeks. Often in circumstances such as this, Our hymns help us and help me articulate what we believe in ways we cannot do otherwise. In the 1982 hymnal, hymn number 400, All Creatures of Our God and King. Verse 6 goes like this. And even you, most gentle death, waiting to hush our final breath, oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, You lead back home the child of God. For our Lord Christ that way has tried. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. What this verse tells us, what Ezekiel's vision tells us, what the raising of Lazarus tells us is that God is in control. Nothing is beyond God. In God there is hope, no matter how tight the grip of death may be. God has dominion over death. God owns death. Death praises God. Even death bends the knee and bows to God, who is resurrection and life. And so then, what do we have to fear? Amen.